analyst at Mergence Investment Managers, and that is Noluanjim Tombeni. Noluanjim, good evening to you and welcome. Hi, how are you, Ivan? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Good, good, good. Noluanjim, let's start off here in the Eurozone, uh, where it seems the finance ministers uh, within uh, the uh, uh, European Union here continue to be divided on uh, the, I guess, key features and contours of the coronavirus rescue plan. A lot of division around the uh, notion of a corona bond and uh, conditionalities uh, attached to some of this relief. And uh, as you can imagine, the likes of Italy, uh, Spain and others are really trying to hold the fort and saying, you know, if you impose conditionalities on us similar uh, to what happened in Greece a few years ago, then uh, we're certainly not going to take that very lightly. Yes. So, I mean, for a very long time, for many, many years, um, there's always been a divide between the north and the south of Europe. Um, the North, you typically have the stronger economies and the bigger economies. And then the slackers, you know, the last of Spain and Italy and France have been, you know, down in the South and they've had, you know, just a weaker balance sheet and economies compared to the strong ones. So obviously we know Germany is a powerhouse and um, and they obviously want to protect, you know, their economy and, and, and their finances. Mm. So how it typically works in the Eurozone is that, I mean, each country is still in charge of their own debt. So if you, if the likes of Italy or Spain, if you have to raise debt, it's very, very expensive compared to Germany, which is very cheap. So, you know, once you, you know, mix them up, then someone for like Germany, um, their cost of this is going to be higher because they have to, you know, put up with the higher debt that's uh, that's required for the other other members in the, in the Eurozone. Mm. So, you know, the likes of Germany obviously um, would not want to go into this, you know, very typical of them not wanting to let, you know, the others drag them down. Because, um, I mean, in this environment, you're only as strong as your weakest player. So, you know, that's how it is, you know, when you're, you know, you're, 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 you're region of countries um, put together. So, and that's what's currently the problem now is that, you know, the likes of Europe, I mean, Germany and Netherlands, um, obviously they are reluctant to enter into this. They are they being put into, um, it's more of a, a guarantee for debt which will be used mostly by the more indebted countries. Mm. So they'll end up guaranteeing debt, which is you know, n- not in their favor, which they'll end up having to pay up for because they've got the biggest economy. And so it'll take a while just to figure it out and come to agreeable terms on this. Yeah, yeah. And I guess wh- what does this mean for the scale of the impact um, you know, in uh, Europe here of all of the interventions that are not only aimed at uh, uh, providing a clinical response to this challenge, but also uh, replacing, uh, I guess, uh, foregone wages here, which is going to be a reality. I mean, I'm seeing some numbers coming through here. Italy reporting uh, 3,836 new cases and 542 new deaths. Uh, it certainly uh, is probably a lot more urgent for some of the Italian uh, members of these EU platforms than, say, maybe those in the Netherlands uh, who have been uh, rather critical of the stance taken by Italy and Spain. Yes, so, so you know, you know, all these countries already have, you know, in, in, in put in some relief measures for their economies already. Um, it's just that, you know, they they require more. What they have is, you know, seen as not enough. Mm. You know, there's always an alternative to maybe go to, you know, IMF or, or the World Bank. But, you know, Italy, you know, the former minister of Italy actually came out very strongly saying, what is the point of having a Eurozone if we can't, you know, help each other? Mm. And that this is the kind of time when we're supposed to go to each other and help each other sort these things out. So, you know, Italy is obviously one of the economies which is in the worst financial position. So obviously they're going to take that stance and, you know, kind of play that, you know, we the Eurozone to help each other out card. But, you know, they've been the one that's been needing help all, all these many, many years. Mm. Um, so, 
So, you know, they, they're not the right person to bring up, you know, the, the necessity of other countries to come help. Um, but ultimately, you know, you know, as a region, we've seen, you know, these, you know, southern economies obviously, um, you know, you know, you know, cause problems economically for the euro area. And Germany will have to budge because ultimately this this problem doesn't impact Germany alone or Italy alone or Spain alone. It's the whole area and the whole region. Mm. And it's kind of a big enough crisis for you to actually not just, you know, worry about yourself so much. Um, and, you know, everyone doesn't have to take a hit and they'll have to come through. Um, and even consider going to the IMS, possibly if, you know, they can't get the mm. emergency help that they need right now. Yeah, yeah. And of course, many countries starting to consider how they can, uh, I mean, confront or even take a look at uh, some of the special drawing rights uh, that they might potentially have as members of the International Monetary Fund. It's also a debate that's happening here uh, in South Africa as well. But Nolwanje, uh, the other issue I want us to take a look at here, I think uh, a few weeks ago you and I spoke about uh, the hammering that our local stock market had been taking on the back of uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, risk on sentiment and people, uh, uh, this whole flight to much safer assets, uh, which often means a flight away from emerging market currencies. It seems there's a somewhat of a recovery underway. No, it's not a recovery. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't call it that. Okay. No, no, no. It's not a recovery. Not at all. It's not a recovery. I think it's just, you know, this is the kind of market where, you know, you go shopping and you go buy. Mm. Um, you know, valuations are so low and, and things have been, you know, and there's also, remember, there's also a lot of speculation in the market as well. So you have a lot of speculators coming in now and there's these attractive um, multiples and prices. So I think it's a lot of opportunistic buying that's going on in the market. Mm. And on a day-to-day thing, you know, anything could be happening. And, you know, sometimes the, 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 the good sentiments last three days, sometimes a week. You know, and then the next week it turns around. So, you know, you can't really assess on a, you know, even if it's just one week or, or a few days. It's definitely way too soon. Fundamentals have not mm. changed. We haven't had data to say, you know, that, you know, that everything should come back better. Our re- currency has strengthened since then, which is good. Um, so that is also like a short-term and very short-term a good thing, and it gets the market excited. But I think, you know, from, you know, positioning and investor point of view, it is a good opportunity to, you know, do some buying for mm. stocks which are very, 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 um, very cheap right now. And ultimately, if you think a very long-term view, which I imagine money managers are, that's what they'd probably be doing. And, you know, probably seeing that, you know, a lot of bad news is priced and we've been downgraded. So some might think, okay, this is probably, you know, the rock bottom after being downgraded. And, you know, there's uncertainty around, you know, what will happen in the next few months. Mm. But from a valuation perspective, um, you are getting these stocks at much cheaper levels um, than you have in a while. Yeah, yeah. And one of those, I mean, that I found quite interesting, and, uh, uh, I mean, just briefly, if uh, you could share some of your reflections, this is Sasol. Uh, they've certainly taken a pounding since the year started. Uh, uh, what do you make, I guess, of, uh, uh, you know, the trend that we've seen in that regard and maybe some of the other opportunities here for a buy low sell high strategy so i think also it's a lot of speculation around um you know speculative buying on tesla's front as well mm. um for a stock to do five to 45% in one day um on no news flow on no good news from the from the um opec you know saying that they're going to halt halt production anything like that so you know the problem is that you know when with this with an example specifically like Cecil, mm. the market tends to overreact both on the upside sure, and the downside. Sure, sure. 
So when the first news came out, I mean that it is about the oil, the oil when the oil price crashed to thirty-one dollars. Mm. I mean it got hammered. So you know that reaction was probably far worse than mm. you know maybe what the actual fundamentals are. Okay. So you have those kind of things happening in the market where there's mm. overreactions to the bottom and sure. to the top. Miranda, let's pause there for a second, and uh, we'll continue on the other side of this. Six minutes it is now before 8 p.m. You tuned into a Metro FM Talk. It's our wrap of the top business stories. And uh, I'm joined to help us take a look at some of these by uh, analyst at Mergence Investment Managers, Nolwandle Mtombeni. And uh, Nolwandle, uh, interesting one here. And uh, I guess it's certainly uh, uh, no breaking news by any stretch of the imagination. I think uh, uh, there was a lot of expectation that this would happen and uh, a wave uh, a waiving of some of the uh, procurement rules. I also saw uh, some uh, a call for comment on uh, uh, issues on, around the PFMA uh, earlier on on the National Treasury's website. But it seems now that uh, there's a name to centralize the procurement of uh, much needed and uh, I guess very scarce protective equipment at this point in time. We also would have seen the likes of Nehau taking the government to court around uh, health workers not having access uh, to uh, some of this protective gear. Uh, what does this mean for people who produce in the sector? So I think, I mean, I'm just thinking in terms of the time frame. I mean, mm. how far are we into this uh, lockdown that is happening now? Mm. So I think, you know, I think it ultimately depends in terms of, you know, what is, what, how, how this is done for them. Um, I imagine, though, um, in terms of, you know, you know, they won't be, you know, it has to be more formalized and more strict in a process in terms of how we're going to get it. But I think, you know, they will have to follow, you know, government, you know, whatever rules and government sets. So I think in terms of their operating model and, you know, how they were doing this, they have to, you know, go away from doing it their way and now follow more government's rules. And with that, the implications of, you know, maybe they were selling things at a profitable margin or something like that. So I think for, for once you have to standardize something to a certain way, Obviously, you do some benefits from having to follow that, you know, the re- the regulations or the procedures that are set out. Especially if it's done, you know, with government. You know, everything in government has to be, you know, more at arm's length. Especially in a in a, in a crisis situation where you are being doing this, and you probably have to, you know, follow quite strict codes on this. So, um, you know, I think it's for the benefit for the economy and this, and then in public health more than anything. And, um, you know, the sort of procurement people doing the procuring, obviously, now they have to follow usual rules now that they have to adjust to. And, and I mean, yes, it might be protective gear now, but uh, do you anticipate that uh, there might be other uh, things that might come in uh, short supply? I mean, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people are suggesting that if uh, some of the liquidity challenges continue, uh, and maybe within the banking sector, that, uh, you know, if, if we have uh, this challenge worst case scenario for about the next 18 months to two years that there might be other areas beyond just the medical clinical space uh, where there might be shortages that require this kind of centralized procurement what's your view on that yes so definitely that is the role of government they are supposed to step in when you know there's you know no order or anything one of government's roles is to create order and and they set out the rules to govern everything governed effectively so if the, you do come to a situation where it's not just those procurements and it's other sectors, other things that are impacted, they will have to step in um, to create laws that govern this so that it is to the benefit for the entire economy. So it definitely would not stop there. Um, and especially if it's you know, more, you know, it's over a longer period and the lockdown is extended and, you know, the demand and supply, you know, dynamics or, you know, 
not in favor for the economy. They are definitely now start tightening up whatever else needs to be, and which is correct because that is ultimately their role. Because there is no other person who's going to step in and be able to dictate or put in laws for you know any private individual or company on who they should sell to or where to. You know, only government has that authority to put in those laws in place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just just the other story here that uh, I found interesting while we're talking about uh, protective gear, uh, many of our listeners would know that uh, uh, the Association of Mine Workers and Construction Union, AMCU, has uh, made it very clear that uh, um, they don't think production should resume in the mining sector unless there's a clear plan to keep many of their members and many working people in that sector safe from the spread of COVID-19. And uh, they're saying that they want health uh, 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 legislation and uh, uh, guidelines here and uh, testing kits and all manner of other things to be gazetted before they agree to uh, taking many of your workers back uh, to underground or even, I guess, uh, on the surface of many of the mining operations. What's the impact going to be here? Because we do know that some mining operations in the refining space have been able to continue, albeit partially. But uh, if indeed there is a delay even after uh, the announcement of the end of this lockdown in resuming mining production, what's the opportunity cost of that kind of delay? So I think at this point in time, it's health above all else. And I think that's what's more important. You know, delay will have a, a huge financial cost. Um, you know, definitely it will. Um, but ultimately, I mean, I, I think it's quite reasonable for the union to take the stance on the health and safety of their workers. Um, you know, mining is a you know, labor-intensive um, um, job. So, and being in proximity with your, your, your co-workers is what will happen. So I think, you know, the fight for against corona, the invisible enemy is still there. And it shouldn't now, um, you know, there's no amount of profits that can make this better. You know, no much of, you know, financial gain, any companies can make it feel better for if the, if the results turn to be really bad. So I think, you know, um, you know, it is short term anyway. So I just think that what's important is that, you know, these regulations are not hard to put through. I mean, I think they can be done in a very quick amount of time and because it's very quickly, because it's ultimately we know exactly what needs to happen when you, you know, social distancing and how to prevent, you know, the transmission or spreading of the disease. So I think, you know, the best thing that, you know, they can do within between the finance, I mean, the minerals minister and, and the unions and all affected parties is just get this through as quickly as possible. And that's the only way you can, you know, kind of minimize the, 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 the cost of, you know, any production delays. But I think that's still very important. And whatever we lose, we'll, we'll lose. But I think, you know, the more important thing is, you know, do protect the workers. Mm-hmm. Certainly a tough one here. And uh, it's, uh, I guess, uh, going to put uh, the likes of the Department of Energy to, uh, I guess, try and, uh, you know, navigate the situation. I mean, if you were sitting uh, in Minister Guedemandash's position at this point in time, well, what would be your next move? So I think, well, for one, I'm very happy that these ministers are working, <laughs> are yeah, working hard, you know. Yeah, I am yeah, happy. They actually, are earning they, their keep. Exactly. You know, they, they should be. And they, they're finally actually doing some work, so mm. which is really good. But I think, you know, from, from the minister's perspective, minister's perspective, you know, I think what he's already done is identified, you know, which sort of mining, um, you know, I think there should be some consistency in terms of, which mining, um, which mines are allowed to open and operating, and make sure it's just standard across because mm. you know there has been some inconsistencies. 
The second is to obviously um, make sure that you bed down these safety and health concerns yeah. immediately. Um, get all parties, and I think because of you know the you know the time constraints of this, I think I think they can get that through quite quickly mm. if they you know stop sleeping and we know they're not drinking, so they can <laughs> they can focus. We on hope. This. We hope. <laughs> yeah. So you know, people have stashes, right? People have... Uh, yeah, but yeah. They, they run out quick. Trust <laughs> me, I know. <laughs> so I think you're yeah, prioritized getting this and done and then making sure that everything is signed off mm. and it's, you know, and you've got the policies in place and then you can, you know, get get a few production out there and do some exporting. Okay. Nolwanze, mm. uh, talking about exporting, uh, uh, before I let you go, what do you make, of course, of uh, the reprieve now given to the South African wine industry and uh, I guess clearing the way for them to be able to export here. It seems uh, joining, I guess, a list of uh, exceptions that have been made uh, to these regulations. What's your view on that? Yeah, you remember what we talked about last week is that when you introduce these sort of measures, um, you're obviously going to have these very draconian ones coming along Mm. and then over time you're going to relax them and just, you know, kind of make these changes. And this is just another one that's come through. And, you know, it makes sense. You know, um, I think... In terms of, you know, especially, you know, winemaking, you know, the number of people that you typically be working, I mean, if you go to where the wineries are, it's not that many people do. Maybe the picking, but even then it's not that many people. So in terms of the number of people that you need to go do it, it's, it's from a health perspective, it's not mm. as high risk. But also, obviously, we're going to benefit, you know, you know, our wine export, you know. We've got one of the biggest wine exports economies globally. Um, and, you know, obviously at the exchange rates, we're going to benefit. So yeah. I think export is the key thing, key, 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 key word, the export. And you can see that government is now trying to kind mm. of you know, capitalize out of this crisis. Which is guess, what yeah, and I guess we need, a, we need as much foreign exchange mm. as we can because, uh, yeah. you know, we don't produce as many masks here as we would like. And uh, it mm. takes that foreign exchange to go and buy them from people who do. Yeah, I mean, Saab says minus 4% um, GDP depression yes. they expect in yes. this year. So, yes. you know, even if we can get that minus 4 to minus 3.5, mm. it'll make a difference. Well, Rwanda, we'll have to leave it there. Always a pleasure catching up with you, and thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. That there was an Olwanjem Tumbe, an analyst at Emergence Investment Managers, helping us take a look at the big stories in the world of business on this Wednesday.